back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero, and I'm here with the hot take hooligan, Alex Lott. Say what's up to the people. Wow, Steph, you really <laughs> reached pretty deep for that one. The hot take hooligan. Um, you know, dude, I'm super hyped to be back talking about some bounce back players today. We got a lot of big names today. We're talking about guys, don't want to give away too much, but Le'Veon Bell. I heard some rumblings about Ooh. Baker Mayfield. Um, so definitely <laughs> stay tuned if you want to hear um, what we think about these guys and their fantasy value for 2020. I'm hyped to get into it, Steph. A lot of hot takes around some of these names. I think it's going to blow your guys' minds a little bit. Alex and I are out here going toe-to-toe, trying to one-up each other with the hottest fantasy takes in the game. I know you, all you guys are out there doing the same. I see you every day hitting us up on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. So let's keep it going. We'll be online every day with you guys as well. And if you like the show, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. That is huge for us and keeps us going. So Alex, without further ado here, I think we're ready to jump into it. No special segment today. Throw all the gimmicks out the window. We're just going to talk a specific player and team breakdown here. I want to hear your projections and predictions for Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow is, you know, a hype train himself. Everyone's <laughs> been hyping up Joe Burrow all you know football season long with his incredible run at LSU, winning the national championship, winning the Heisman. And Bengals fans have been hyping him up since about week 12 when they realized who their new franchise quarterback was going to be. Um, So for me, I think the first thing I got to do is put into perspective what the upside is for Joe Burrow in his rookie season. So just to to put it in perspective, the rookie record for passing yards is 4,374 by Andrew Luck. And the rookie record for passing touchdowns is 27 by Baker Mayfield. So we look at this and like the upside of Joe Burrow was to hit both records He'd have 4,300 yards and 27 touchdowns. I think he's going to have a great rookie season. I don't think he gets quite there um, in either stat category. I have him right around 4,000 passing yards this season with an incredible receiving core um, of A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T. Higgins, who they took uh, in the second round. And I have him in the low 20s for touchdowns. So I think Joe Burrow is going to have a great season. I'll get into um why i think that a little bit more later but right now i have him right in that um, range of like the kirk cousins teddy bridgewater range for fantasy football i think he's not an every week starter but he's a guy who you can stream um off the waiver wire in a good matchup i think maybe like a more consistent daniel jones from last year we saw huge upside from daniel jones but the bottom fell out on certain weeks i think we might see that same kind of thing for burrow i think he'll pop um, but i think he'll have a little bit higher floor than we saw out of jones as a rookie what do you think steph We always love the upside and the unknown with rookie quarterbacks, and I'm one of those guys that I love in redraft, taking a quarterback late and taking an upside shot. We talked about some of those names last week, like Ryan Tannehill, uh, Danny Dimes, your boy. Uh, But I I love the Daniel Jones comp there, and I do think Joe Burrow will be great. I I think he'll be better than Daniel Jones uh, was his full rookie season. He's going to make incredible plays on the run. He mentioned Joe Burrow did on draft day that he's already been studying the Bengals playbook uh, and with how quickly he turned things on in college. I think he's ready to make that transition to the pro level. The guy's just shown that that he can just hit an extra gear when he needs to and really elevate his game. He's the only player, Alex, last season, only quarterback in all of college football to have a higher passer rating while under pressure. So the average passer rating while not under pressure, to under pressure, was a 32-point drop-off, 
But Joe Burrow got better by five points in his passer rating. That's crazy. <laughs> it is insane. So he's he is great under pressure and on the run. That's what every great quarterback has to have, and Burrow has it. Steph, let me tell you, it's a good thing he's good under pressure because my biggest concern here is that Bengals offensive line. They gave up the ninth most sacks in 2019, and the yeah. only things they did to upgrade that O-line was draft a guy in the sixth round and bring in a backup guard from Dallas. So this line is not going to get – um, better out of nowhere in 2020. And I think Joe Burrow could find himself under a lot of pressure as a rookie. So I really am glad that um, he's able to, to throw on the run, to throw under pressure. That's a, a key trait that we look for in NFL quarterbacks. Think, you know, Aaron Rodgers and how he can throw, scrambling out of the pocket on the run. I would love to see Joe Burrow develop that part of his game uh, and learn to make plays and improvise with these weapons. Right, those play-action bootlegs that we see Aaron Rodgers run all the time or he's scrambling out of the pocket. That's the type of uh, plays and big plays that I think Joe Burrow could make. He's extremely accurate downfield, and I think he'll surprise people with his rushing ability at the pro level. You know, with all that said, though, we got to look, got to take the good with the bad. He, he's on a bad team. Uh, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. Rookie quarterbacks always do. Look at Daniel Jones last year uh, as an example. Uh, he had... T- 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. I think Burrow might actually be a little bit higher than that with just how much garbage time and and playing from behind and trying to air it out to keep his team in it. We could look at Kyler Murray as another example. He had a great rookie season, 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Uh, That's where I have Joe Burrow at in my predictions. I'm still changing back and forth on a few things in terms of his stats, but the Kyler Murray comp is is really what you're looking at from an upside perspective. If you last year you took Kyler Murray late in redraft, and you were probably pretty happy with it, finished as a, a QB one and a guy that you didn't have to burn any draft capital on. That's why I love Joe Burrow in 2020 redraft. And the Arizona Cardinals went five ten and one last year, and Kyler Murray won Offensive Rookie of the Year. So you said it on our last pod, Alex. Burrow should be the clear favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He'll be a surprisingly solid fantasy option, and he'll be one of the top fantasy options, I think, in 2021, just like Kyler is here in 2020. Absolutely, and I have Kyler written down in my notes as well because that's kind of like the benchmark for me. Is he going to be better or worse than Kyler Murray was in his rookie season? Another number one overall pick in Kyler. We know one rookie of the year. So I look at Kyler's stats, 3,700 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, 500 plus yards on the ground and four rushing touchdowns. And for me, I think Joe Burrow, I mean, take out you know the rushing stats. I think passing, he can easily exceed what Kyler Murray was able to do. Like I said, yeah. I think he could easily get close to 4,000 yards. 20 touchdowns should be in the realm of possibility. And and 12 interceptions, uh, maybe he throws a couple more if there is some more volume and they're trailing in games and he's pushing the ball down the field. But I think from a passing perspective, he could be close. Now, the rushing won't be there, which definitely caps some of his upside in fantasy. But for me, that's the difference between Joe Burrow being a low-end QB1 as a rookie and a QB2 and a streamable guy like I talked about earlier. So for me, I think if he puts up those numbers passing that Kyler did, maybe he exceeds them a little bit. He's going to win rookie of the year. And unless we see a you know generational season from somebody else, it's, it's really Burroughs to lose. And when I look at this Bengals team, there's nowhere to go but up on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball. We know the weapons they have. You know, Joe Mixon is an emerging running back. We've talked about the receivers. But the Bengals last season were 30th in the NFL in quarterback passer rating. They were dead last Oof. in completion percentage. They only completed 57% of passes. Absolutely brutal. Um, but on the other side, 
on the other side of the coin, they were sixth in pass attempts and they were 25th in points allowed per game. So when you're looking at fantasy football, those two stats right there for a team are exactly what you want um, when you're drafting a quarterback. They throw the ball a lot and they throw the ball a lot because they're trailing in games. I think there's going to be some really positive game scripts for uh, fantasy football for Joe Burrow as a rookie because the offense is going to be behind. They're going to need to pass the ball. They're going to need to score points. And with good weapons around them, it could lead to higher volume than we normally see out of rookies for Joe Burrow. So talking about those pass attempts, where do you have Joe Burrow statted out as of right now, Alex? I have him right at 560. Um, Kyler Murray, for reference, last season was at 562, I believe. I'll fact check myself on that. Um, uh, he, he was I think at the, uh, 542. 542, got it. So I do have Burrow for more pass attempts than Kyler Murray. Um, but I just think it's because they're going to be trailing in games. And as a number one overall pick and after you know the season he put up at LSU last year, I think um, Zach Taylor is not going to be afraid to unleash his new weapon. What about you, Steph? I'm expecting a decent clip of fantasy attempts as well. I have him at 550, and that might go up as we get closer to the season. I mean, 550 is like right where Kyler was in 2019. That's on the border of top 10 in the league in attempts. We know Zach Taylor is a guy from a Sean McVay system, so they want to spread that offense out. And last year with Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton, we don't really think of them as as true gunslingers or anything like that. And they combined for 615 pass attempts. So the upside in the passing volume, I think, is definitely there for Joe Burrow. The offense, I think, will stall out at times. You know, but all really Joe Burrow has to do to be fantasy relevant and to be an offense rookie of the year, like you said, like it's his award to lose. He just has to make this team slightly better than they were last year, and that'll be success in terms of his 2020 season. Beyond that, I think he will be a good quarterback in the NFL for a long time. And the only real worry is the, you know, just kind of the Bengals themselves, their staff, their front office, the organization is the belief there. And I think Joe Burrow does bring that belief to them. It's one of those guys that when he steps in the building, just with his pedigree and what he's done in the game of football, kind of elevates everyone around him. So I think there is reason to get excited, uh, but don't want to overvalue a a rookie quarterback uh, or even fall on the, the hype train too hard. But I am excited to see what Joe Burrow can do. And I'm excited really for this this Bengals offense. I think there's a lot to look forward to with Joe Mixon, uh, A.J. Green returning. I hope he can get back to how dominant he was uh, in his prime. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, in terms of the pass catchers, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T. Higgins as well, You know who do you have as kind of the, the alpha there? Are you penning A.J. Green in just to be back healthy and, and just as he was pre-injury? Yeah, I have A.J. Green statted out for – a significantly um, higher number of yards and touchdowns than the other guys. Tyler Boyd's my number two. Uh, I, I don't think a lot's going to change there. T. Higgins and John Ross will be involved, and I think they'll make some big plays. But barring injury, the pecking order should be Green, Boyd, and then Higgins and Ross might be you know give and take snaps here and there. Yeah, with those injury risks in mind, that does bump Tyler Boyd up for me. I think Tyler Boyd is a very sneaky fantasy option. He's one of those, and and you know we keep pounding the drum. Take wide receivers late this year. There's so much good depth at the position. And last year, if you grabbed Tyler Boyd, you're probably pretty happy with it. I think the same could be said for this season. So he's one I am eyeing late. You know, think of him in that uh, later tier with like guys like Michael Gallup. Um, I, I love Tyler Boyd in 2020 uh, as a deeper wide receiver option. You know, mid rounds. That division is going to be fun with. Lamar Jackson's Ravens 
We'll have Burrow and the Bengals. We'll have the Browns. Will they have a bounce back season or will they not? And then we'll have the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger coming back. So the AFC North is going to be fun. Let's go ahead and move on to our next um, segment, our topics for today. And that's going to be bounce back players. And to be in this category, you had to be hyped up going into the 2019 season and really disappoint. And when that happens, we've seen a lot of these guys on this list that we're talking about today their values just plummeted. And last season, these guys were going several rounds earlier than they are this season. So what we have to do to do here is decide which of these guys are just on a downhill trajectory with their career and which guys are, are uh, destined to bounce back. So Steph, with that, I'll pass it over to you. Um, give me your first bounce back player for the 2020 season. My first one is probably pretty chalk. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. You talked about Big Ben being back, all the injury stuff's behind him. I saw an article online saying Juju is in the best shape that he's been in uh, in his entire career. And I saw a picture of him as well, and it, it, it certainly looked that way. Dang, uh, last that makes year, one Juju, of us. <laughs> well, last year, Juju's ADP was in the top five. I remember people were taking him at the wide receiver five in PPR yep. leagues. We know the talent is there. He's going to be the alpha Clear alpha number one in this Steelers offense that's typically had high passing volume has been great from a, from a just air uh, attack perspective. Pass volume pre-2019, they were first in 2018. In 2017, the Steelers were sixth uh, most pass attempts. And in 2016, they were 10th. So over the last really three years before the Big Ben injury, like they were just always in the top, top tier of the league in terms of passing volume. And the wide receiver one with the Steelers has always had value as far as we can remember. Remember Antonio Brown. He was the best wide receiver in fantasy for a few years. And then we have Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, and a healthy James Conner. I think all of those guys help the offense, which then helps Juju. So the volume, I think, will be there regardless. Juju has shown us that he can do it. Uh, You look back to 2018, he had 111 receptions and over 1,400 yards. In 2017, he was hyper-efficient. He was kind of getting eased into the NFL and was at 16 yards per reception. Like, he's just shown it. Juju can take it to the house on any play. There was that play, I remember, week three, very specifically last year, he was lined up in the slot on a third and four on the road against San Francisco and took a slant for a 76-yard touchdown. Like, this is just what is in this guy's arsenal. He has a fantastic skill set. I love Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think now with bringing uh, Chase Claypool in here, uh, another guy who can line up in the slot or on the outside, that's going to open more up for Juju. So I'm very high on Juju Smith-Schuster this year. I know a lot of people are down on him. As far as I can see from Fantasy Pros, uh, expert consensus rankings, they have him at about uh, right at the borderline of being a wide receiver one. I probably have him in that you know 8 to 10 range. Uh, so I'm excited for Juju in 2020. How about you, Alex? Yeah, the Steelers are a mystery for me, Steph. And to be honest with you, even where Juju's going, he is at a discounted price compared to where he was last season. But, you know, the Steelers, there are so many question marks. Just looking at some of the names around Juju, I don't know that I'm going to own him anywhere. The upside is there. I'll give him that. But when I look at Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Odo Beckham Jr., Adam Thielen, you know, even Cooper Cup and Cortland Sutton going in that same range, most of those guys I'm going to feel more comfortable taking as my wide receiver one. Just the, the possibility of taking Juju and Big Ben not being the Big Ben of a well, I think he will be, and Big Ben's going to have value this season. But there are just so many question marks here around Juju. Can he be the wide receiver one? I think he can be, but you know my strategy early in drafts is to be as risk-averse as possible. 
And out of these names I just listed, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the biggest risk there just because we don't know what the offense is going to look like. We're two years removed from seeing Big Ben lead this offense. And during that season, Antonio Brown was there. Le'Veon Bell was there. Um, so for me, look, I think Juju does have value. And where he is, I think, is, is pretty fair. I think he does finish right around that 10 to 12 range. That's where I have him in my rankings. But for me, I would much rather take someone else as my wide receiver one and take a shot on some some other guy in the Steelers offense. I think James Conner could have value if he stays healthy. I'm big on Deontay Johnson this year. A lot of people are jumping aboard the hype train, so his ADP might climb a little bit higher than I feel comfortable with. But I'd rather wait, invest in other places in the Steelers offense later on that have you know the same amount of upside um, and kind of ride that strategy out for me. You know, Juju is a great player. He's young. He's he's still learning, growing, developing. But um, I'm probably not going to draft him, you know, um, in too many places in 2020. Well, look, you know, looking at, at the ADP, I'm going to throw out some names and you tell me and I'll kind of throw my two cents in there as well. Who you would rather have? So, Alex, A.J. Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster? I'll take Juju there. I will as well. Uh, Adam Thielen or Juju? Man, this one's tough. I think I'm going to go Thielen there. I, I really think that um, the Vikings are going to open up the playbook a little bit from a passing perspective. Well, look, you got both ends of the spectrum here being displayed on the show. We got a lover and a hater of Juju. Not to not to say that you hate him by any means, but he's a guy that I'm looking at in the third or fourth rounds. If some of those other names that you threw out there and, and that we just went through are already off the board, I will gladly take Smith Schuster over a name like, you know, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon at, at running back, uh, and certainly want to take uh, a tight end and quarterback later on. So, uh, Alex, let me hear your first bounce back candidate in 2020. Yeah, I'll start it off with a running back. Uh, my first bounce back candidate is actually David Montgomery. And I remember Ooh. the hype for David Montgomery going into 2019 got absolutely out of control. There was one <laughs> preseason game where he like had the ball inside the 10 and made one defender miss and got into the end zone. And that's the play that like sticks out in my mind that just skyrocketed his ADP through the roof. And he was drafted in the league run together stuff. He was drafted in like the third round as a rookie. He disappointed. He finished as the RB 25 in 2019. And a lot of people got burned by David Montgomery and he's pretty much off their board going into 2020, but his ADP right now is at running back 25. And when I look at that ADP, that's a huge value to me because the bears offense and David Montgomery's rookie season was an absolute train wreck. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was average at best. The offensive line was terrible. Um, they actually had the 29th ranked run blocking grade, according to Football Outsiders in 2019. So the offensive line did David Montgomery no favors. He ran for a brutal 3.7 yards per carry Oof. in 2019. And, you know, even worst case scenario, I can't imagine him not getting to at least four yards per carry in 2020, which still by no means is good. But I think that's a pretty fair assumption. And I think about this Bears offense. I remember game one, Mike Davis was getting a pretty big percentage of snaps and the David Montgomery truthers were tilting, you know, harder than the leaning tower of Pisa. So um, <laughs> David Montgomery he really had to get ramped up in his rookie season. And a lot of people wrote him off before even giving him a chance to watch him play and see the numbers he was putting up. In his first six games of his rookie season, he only had 12 carries per game. 
in the last 10 games of his rookie season, he had 17 carries per game. So like we see with these rookie running backs, he got more and more involved as the season went on. And looking to 2020, I have, have him right around 17 carries a game. So I think the volume is going to be there. Tariq Cohen is still going to get a ton of the receiving work. But Montgomery still should get a couple targets per game. So I don't think he's going to be like Marlon Mack levels um, of non-involved in the passing game. So, you know, looking at this Bears offense, they're going to have better quarterback play, whether that's Nick Foles coming in and starting or whether it's Trubisky with a fire lit under him playing, playing much better than he did last season. And there's just going to be more scoring opportunities for um, David Montgomery. So when I, when I look at this Bears offense, I think they will take a step forward. I think David Montgomery isn't the most electric player in the league, but just because of the volume and the opportunity, opportunity that's in front of him in 2020, he's a steal right now at RB25. I have him much closer to RB20. I think he's a mid-tier um, RB2 with upside. So give me David Montgomery all day long. Let's do some price checks on Montgomery here. Would you rather have David Montgomery or David Johnson? David Johnson right now going at the RB20 per Fantasy Pros expert consensus rankings. David Montgomery going at 24. I'll take I'll take David Montgomery there. I think I would as well. Here's another one. Right above him at 23, uh, RB23 is Devin Singletary. So would you rather have Singletary or Montgomery? This might be a bit of a hot take, but I'll take Montgomery. Wow, I think that is a hot take. I would take Singletary in that case. Uh, last one here. Raheem Mostert at uh, right now going at the RB26. Would you either have Mostert or Montgomery? I think you already made your case pretty pretty clear here. Yeah, I think Mostert is one of those guys that people are sleeping on a bit, but I'll still take uh, Montgomery here. I would take Montgomery as well just for, for a little bit more of the known volume, whereas with Mostert, he's got two or three other guys at, at different times throughout the year that he's going to be competing with in that backfield. So I want to move over to uh, another bounce-back candidate, another wide receiver and a guy who's been slept on, I feel like, year in, year out, it's T.Y. Hilton. He has My been boy. great. Yeah, your boy as the Indianapolis Colts fan here at Double Move. I got to represent for you. Uh, but T.Y. Hilton has been great. We have to remember how good he has been his whole career, regardless of quarterback. Uh, and even with Michael Pittman coming in uh, and in the second round, uh, the Colts using a second-round pick on Michael Pittman, this is still very much T.Y. Hilton's team. We have the offensive coordinator from the Colts, Nick Sirianni. Uh, he told the team's official website, I think about where we're at, things will be schemed to get him the football, he said. So, look, they're already saying we're coming in. Hilton's healthy. He's going to be our alpha wide receiver one. We're going to put the ball in his hands. And he's been consistently a great fantasy option when he has a great quarterback. So let's look at Andrew Luck. In 2016, T.Y. Hilton was the wide receiver five. In 2015, wide receiver 22. Before that, we're going back a little bit farther now. In 2014, he was a wide receiver 12. So he's a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, year in, year out with Andrew Luck throwing in the ball. Health has really been the, the main risk with T.Y. Hilton the last year or so. And as of right now, it sounds like Hilton's calf, which he missed six games for, is all cleared up. He didn't need surgery. And I saw some reports that I was looking through just doing my research that Hilton was already 100% ready to go before the end of last season. They just wanted to preserve him for the future. Now, the Colts bring in Phillip Rivers. Uh, one thing we know about Rivers is that he always dials in on his best receiver in his offense. Even as a rookie, we look back at Keenan Allen was averaging over seven and a half targets per game. And before Keenan Allen came into the Chargers offense with Rivers, we had Antonio Gates finishing top three in targets every season at the tight end position. So when he finds a weapon, Rivers dials in on him and goes back to the well time and time again. 
Uh, you know, for for in terms of like you know wide receiver competition on the Colts, really the only one that scares me would be Michael Pittman, who I really like, but he's still a rookie. Rookie wide receivers don't tend to break out in that first year, even though I do like Pittman. Then uh, there's also Paris Campbell, who's more of a, a deep threat and has had his own health issues, and then Zach Pascal, which doesn't really scare me for a Ty Hilton. So if he plays, he will be fantastic. Yes, Hilton is 30. I get it. And the calf you know, caused him to miss time, but it was a one-time thing. It's not like a hamstring where that recurs over and over again. There's less concern for me there compared to like a Will Fuller or Adam Thielen. And if he pays 13 games or more, I'm taking Hilton gladly over Terry McLaurin, which you know I really like as a my guy in redraft and dynasty. Uh, I would take T.Y. Hilton over D.K. Metcalf, who I'm also very high on. And another guy that everybody's very excited about, who's coming off of injury, and it's A.J. Green. So give me T.Y. Hilton over all those names there, assuming he pays 13 games or more. You got to shoe in. You know, you, you know, and that's why the value is a little bit cheaper for Hilton, is that he's going to miss some time at some point, more likely than not, just over the last couple seasons. We've seen that to be a recurring theme. But I have no problem at all pulling the trigger on Hilton later in my drafts, especially over some of those other names, for just the upside and consistency we could get from him in a Phillip Rivers-led Colts offense. Look, I love it. I am a huge, huge, huge T.Y. Hilton fan. One of my favorite players on the Colts. You know, he's an electrifying guy. And I really think the injury perception is a little bit overblown with T.Y. Hilton. Yes, he's banged up a lot, but typically he's playing through it. This past season, he missed six games due to that injury that, that you spoke of. But in his first, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years of his career, he only missed four games due to injury. So he's played 14 or more games every single season um, until this past year. So the the injury history with T.Y. Hilton is not what people think it is. And I, I feel pretty confident. Um, you know, I, I can't say whether he's going to stay healthy or not for, for 2020, but I feel co- more confident than, than a lot of other people um, about his ability to stay on the field. And, yes, I think Phillip Rivers is a huge upgrade for the passing volume in this offense. D.Y. Hilton is going to be kind of the first and second target in this offense. I expect (laughs) them to utilize his skill set a lot. Um, And he's a guy who's been over 1,000 yards five times already in his career. He came close in another season, had 966 yards. So he knows what it takes to get it done in this league. He has pop potential for huge games. I'm a huge T.Y. Hilton fan right now. You're getting him in the fifth round. So if you give me T.Y. Hilton as my wide receiver two, and I have two strong running backs and a tight end or something like that, I'm feeling really, really good heading into the season. So let's do another price check with some other names to compare them to. Would you rather have Devontae Parker or T.Y. Hilton? I'll take T.Y. I think the Colts offense is going to be better than Miami's this year. I think so as well. Would you rather have T.Y. Hilton or Debo Samuel? Give me T.Y., man, all day. I will, I'll take that as well. Last one here, Jarvis Landry or T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. Hilton, man, I'm a little bit biased, but I feel really good. I mean, Hilton is the um, bona fide number one in this offense. So, you know, Jarvis had a great season last year. I think the quarterback play hopefully will be better for Cleveland um, in 2020, but I'm still taking the guy who's the clear-cut number one. So let's talk about that Browns team. Uh, It's not Jarvis Landry, but it's my next bounce-back player. It's Odell Beckham Jr., And people look at his season last year like he absolutely fell off the rails and was terrible. And yes, from a fantasy football perspective, he kind of was. He finished as the wide receiver uh, 26, which is outside of that wide receiver two range. 
but he had 74 catches and over a thousand yards on an incredibly dysfunctional Cleveland Browns offense. So the fact that he still went over a thousand yards and people are leaving Odell Beckham Jr. for dead just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you also have to remember that in Cleveland last year, he played through that core muscle injury that likely should have had him out for um, a long period of time. He had <laughs> surgery on that once the season ended. Um, and, you know, I, I look at Odell Beckham. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 12. Um, just from the track record we've seen from him in his career in the New York Giants offense, which is not going to be as good, in my opinion, as the Browns will be in 2020, he has the ability to be a top five, if not a top one wide receiver. In 2014, as a, in 2014 as a rookie, he was the wide receiver seven and only played 12 games. In 2015, he was wide receiver five and 15 games. In 2016, wide receiver four. He missed most of the 2017 season. And then in 2018, he was the wide receiver 16 in just 12 games. So the recurring theme here is the injury risk. I know we just talked about T.Y. Hilton and some of the perceived injury risk with him. I think it's real with Odell Beckham. That's kind of the one knock against him is that he's missed 21 games in just six seasons in the NFL. But currently being drafted as the wide receiver 12, like, Give me Odell Beckham over Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson all day long. Those are the guys being drafted in that same area. With Kevin Stefanski in town as the head coach, the offense is going to improve in 2020. I have Baker Mayfield as another really strong bounce-back candidate. And when I look at that 2019 season, all sorts of things went wrong. I mentioned the core injury. Another thing, Odell Beckham had a 56% catch percentage. That is the fourth worst of players with over 100 targets. So if you're looking at your guys that are getting volume in the league, he was the fourth worst in terms of passes that he actually caught. That's absolutely brutal. I don't know who's to blame for that. I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it's Freddie Kitchens. He seems to be the scapegoat for everything in Cleveland right now. (laughs) I don't know if it's Baker Mayfield, but that 56% catch percentage will go up in 2020, undoubtedly. Um, Steph, it's your Browns. Tell me, what do you think? Am I on the right track here with Odo Beckham? I think he's the kind of guy with the upside, with the skill set to finish as a wide receiver one. And when I'm drafting a receiver this early, I want the biggest upside possible. I'm with you. I, I love Odell as a bounce back candidate. I don't think we're we're swinging the pendulum back the other way far enough. Like you said, the wide receiver 12, and I look at other names that are there. It's like, you know, Allen Robinson, yeah, he'll be probably a little bit more consistent, but does he have that upside, that OBJ upside just to take over, uh, you know, incredible catches in the end zone, in the red zone, uh, and look too early and often, even last year when we had, you know, Jarvis Landry kind of as the the fallback option, the safety valve in that Freddie Kitchens offense. I think, I think Stefanski is going to use Odell properly. I think we look at like, we can't just copy and paste everything over from the Vikings when Stefanski was there, but look at what even what Stefan Diggs was doing. Unlimited volume, but incredible uh, touchdown rate. Uh, I love Odell there. He was actually in the top, I believe it was top 10 in air yards last year. Um, so I assume, you know, he gets a couple more catches and that completion percentage goes up. I think there will be a ton of value and in, in fantasy viability from OBJ. I don't want people to think I'm saying Odell Beckham will finish as the wide receiver one. I have him right around seven or eight right now. I think he's outside of that tier that has Michael Thomas, you know, Adams, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins. But Odo Beckham's right there in that next tier for me, right at the top. So um, I, I really think if he stays healthy, he should be a top eight fantasy football wide receiver in 2020. Um, but that's going to be the big question. Can he play 16 games? Hey, right, well, let's keep this Browns hype train going. I'm loving this right now because my – 
Last bounce back here is a quarterback. It's Baker Mayfield. And we talked about Freddie Baker. Kitchens being that scapegoat. But coaching does matter in the NFL. I, I don't think people value coaching enough in this league. Bad coaches just don't win games, and they don't put up points in the NFL. We saw Hugh Jackson have a 3-36 and record in Cleveland. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, yeah, he was a nice guy, but he was an embarrassment of a play caller, if I had to be honest, just as a Browns fan. I remember the 49ers game. We had our second and third string tight ends blocking Nick Bosa, and we're trying to throw the ball <laughs> downfield. I was just like, what are we doing? So OBJ wasn't used properly at all. Now we have Stefanski in town, and so far it seems like he's on the same page with their new GM as well, Andrew Barry, who I am a huge fan of so far. I think they're making all the right moves uh, in the draft and in free agency as far as I'm concerned. Listen to, to all these names that they brought in. We have Jack Conklin coming in, great offensive lineman from the Tennessee Titans. We grabbed the best offensive lineman that was on the board at Jedrick Wills. So the O-line should be much more improved. We have... Odell coming back off that sports hernia injury. Jarvis Landry said to be healthier than ever. Both are going to be ready to go. And Hooper was a great additional weapon for Baker. I think the real winner from the Browns signing Austin Hooper wasn't Hooper. It was Baker. Uh, and I think he's the, the clear yeah. winner in that. Baker loves tight ends in the red zone as well. He throws to them at a 35% rate in the red zone. And he's done that his whole career. So we look at an upgrade just in terms of, of touchdowns. I think Austin Hooper in this offense is just going to provide a lot of that. And we saw David Njoku have his moments as well. So outside of that, we have Kareem Hunt, who provided a bump in checkdown volume when he came in last year. He had a few air touchdowns of his own, which just helped Baker put up even more fantasy points. I expect that to continue into this season. Yes, Stefanski won't pass as much as, say, you know, Hugh Jackson or Freddie Kitchens uh, had him doing, but I also don't think he'll be as low as the Vikings were last year with Kirk Cousins. They were brutally low at something like 460 pass attempts. I think Baker is more reasonably reasonable to be at that, you know, 520 to 540 range. I think we're going to see an efficient Baker Mayfield in 2020. He'll be able to, to be a consistently solid fantasy option with upside if the Browns are finally able to get going this year. And to me, he's right above that streamer category. So if you want to take the late value on Baker, yeah, I could see the case for it. Maybe pair him with a Joe Burrow or a Drew Locke as your other upside shot at, at quarterback late in a draft. I love that. And I, I'm excited for the Browns in 2020. I think, you know, they, they ate a slice of humble pie in Cleveland last year. So I'm excited to see what Baker can do now that he's really going to you know put his head down, stay focused. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of fantasy value. <laughs> Look, Steph, I love it. I mean, for me, the Odell Beckham Jr. bounce back case I just made is just further strengthened by everything you just said. It really is going to take Baker bouncing back if Odell Beckham is going to have the bounce back that I think he's going to have. So just looking at Baker's first two seasons, I mean, as a rookie, he had 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That's Last crazy. season, 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Almost a one-to-one -one ratio of touchdowns versus interceptions. It was, it, was just, it was just awful. The wheels fell off. From a fantasy perspective, I don't think I really remember just how bad he was. He had fewer fantasy points per game than Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers, Jimmy G, Andy Ew. Dalton. Um, <laughs> and he only – listen to this. This one's shocking. He only averaged 0 0.4 more fantasy points per game than Jeff Driscoll, who started oh. four games last year. So Baker was awful. But if we, if we know anything about Baker – He's got a fire in him, man. We've seen it at Oklahoma. We've seen it in the NFL. And Baker's been successful in his career. He won the Heisman at Oklahoma. He was the number one overall pick. He lit the world on fire during his rookie season. I have no doubt that Baker Mayfield has been putting in the work this offseason. 
He loves to put his money where his mouth is. And he, I, I really think that he talks the talk, but he walks the walk as well. So with this team that's incredibly talented, I do expect Baker Mayfield to bounce back in a big way in 2020. When we want to talk about ADP here, you said he might be a great late value. Right now, he's going as the QB 14, so right outside that QB1 range, going in the ninth round. So if you want to wait on a quarterback, I love what you laid out there. Take Baker Mayfield as your more consistent starter who hopefully you can can plug in on um, almost an every week basis and then maybe take your upside shot later on. So, Steph, I'm going to do a quick, a quick pulse check here on Baker. Would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow? Ooh. I'll take Baker Mayfield. I'll take a little bit more of that uh, that veteran known uh, with a couple years in. Uh, but honestly, I like both these guys. And probably when the season starts, I'll have them neck and neck when it comes to ADP in my rankings. Baker Mayfield or Matt Stafford? Oh, I'll take Matt Stafford on this one. Hard to against. Uh, uh, hard on. to go against my boy Staff Daddy. I, I think he's yep. going to be great in 2020. So that's a, just a tough one for Baker to win. Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones? Man, I this this one is very tough for me. I knew you were going to ask it too. Sadly, I do have to say Daniel Jones just for more of the you know air yards, just for I don't know. I, I feel like Danny Dimes is going to be slinging it a lot more than Baker will with this uh, run first scheme that Stefanski is going to have. So I'll say Daniel Jones there, but I really do think he's going to be an option that you can start with some level of consistency next year. So let's go ahead and move on to my final bounce back player of the day. It's Jets running back Le'Veon Bell. Everyone seems to be hating on this guy. Everyone is hating on this guy. I know he had a brutal season in 2019. (laughs) Efficiency was garbage. This is like going to shock you when I say just how bad this number is. He averaged 3.2 yards per carry. I feel like you could throw just about any (laughs) professional running back into an offense and they can just fall forward for 3.2 yards of carry. So an absolutely brutal season in 2019. But then again, the Jets had a lot of problems. Uh, Sam Darnold missed some time. Um, He saw ghosts on, you know, in prime time. Adam Gase is the head coach. There's a lot of problems in New York. But I really think Le'Veon Bell um, is being slept on. He finished with all those things in mind. He still finished as the running back 16 last season, and that's a very solid RB2. Um, He gets the volume. So for me, like when I'm drafting a running back early, I want a guy who's going to get volume. I I, I don't want to have to count on guys for big plays. A good example of this is at the receiver position. I've kind of talked down on A.J. Brown this year because I don't want to have to rely on one big play to make your fantasy week. And when I think about the running position – that's even more important. I don't want to have to rely on one big play or I don't want to have to rely on a ridiculous amount of, you know, touchdowns or things like that because it's a bit more unpredictable. And with Le'Veon Bell, you know he's going to get the carries. Maybe the touchdown numbers aren't quite as high as someone like, you know, a Josh Jacobs or an Aaron Jones, but you know he's going to get receiving work as well in half point and full point PPR leagues. I love the Le'Veon Bell pick, especially with the value um, that he is right now. I just can't imagine him getting worse Um, than he was in 2019. Right now he's going as the RB19, which is three spots lower than he was in his brutal 2019 season. Um, That value is a steal. You know, guys going around him are Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, Devin Singletary, Mark Ingram. To me, like I'm taking Le'Veon Bell over those guys all day. Um, From the volume perspective that I spoke of, he was 11th in the NFL in carries last season um, with 245. And he was seventh in targets amongst running backs. 
So to me, like that volume has him locked in as an RB2 with RB1 upside. We've seen what Le'Veon Bell can do with a good team around him. The Jets were the sneakiest 7-9 team in football last season. If their offense gets any better with Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell has more touchdown opportunity, there's no reason he can't sneak in as RB10-12. to And I know there's been some talk about Adam Gase reducing his workload and things like that, but I personally don't think that fourth-round pick LaMichael Pirine or 37-year-old Frank Gore are going to cut in to Le'Veon Bell's workload too much, especially with that contract he's got. So, yes, shout-out to Frank Gore. He might be the first-ever NFL player to have a grandchild playing on his team in the league (laughs) at the same time. Um, But I just don't see it happening. I think that's more of a locker room signing. Maybe he gets a couple carries a game. But Le'Veon Bell, for me, people are sleeping on him. People think he's washed. Even if he is washed, he's going to get enough volume to to be valuable. I agree with you on the volume side. It's just, it's really tough when I'm looking at some of the names around him to, to go with Lev Bell, just from an efficiency standpoint and a scoring standpoint. I, I really just think Adam Gase holds him back. I can't remember the last time we had a running back that you wanted to own in fantasy at their value on an Adam Gase offense. I look at Jonathan Taylor around that ADP and I think I'd rather go with him. Other names here is your boy, David Montgomery. We already talked about Devin Singletary. I think I would take all those over Lev Bell just what you said though, like the volume, that, that's what you know. So if you want to go with, you know, the most volume of all the running backs in that tier, you know, maybe you go with Lev Bell. I would take the efficiency and the scoring over pure volume. Uh, but I do think Lev Bell, you know, has nowhere to go, but up. I think he will be more efficient. I just know, I don't know if I, I like him there when I'm looking at some of the other names around him in my draft. So I don't know how much I'll own of Le'Veon Bell in 2020, but I do think you made a pretty good case there. Look, you don't have to agree with me on everything, Steph, but You know, just looking at the 2019 season, the Jets are going to improve on the ground. Their offensive line, according to Football Outsiders, had the 31st ranked run blocking grade. So they're at the bottom of the barrel. And when I look at their offseason, I know earlier we talked about the Bengals and they had a bad O-line and they did nothing to address it in the offseason. The Rams are another team that had a bad O-line and did nothing to address it in the offseason. This Jets team addressed the offensive line. In free agency, they signed Connor McGovern, who was the Denver Broncos starting center. They signed him to a three-year, $27 million deal. So that's some pretty decent money for an offensive lineman. They also signed um, a guard away from the Carolina Panthers who should slide in and start for them. And then the draft, they, they drafted our boy, Makai Becton, beast mode offensive tackle out of Louisville, six foot seven, 364 pounds. Ooh. And at that size, he ran the 40 in 5.11 <laughs> seconds. So That's just this nuts. dude can move. He is an absolute freight train. And I look at those three, the two signings and the drafting of Makai Becton, and this Jets offensive line is going to have minimum three new starters, three new talented starters in 2020. So I can't help but think that this this running game is going to improve. So Le'Veon Bell is going to be a big beneficiary of that. Um, I think the offense is going to be better because of that. And that's just another check in the box for Le'Veon Bell for me. The current value he's going at, I'll gladly take him, you know, in the fifth, sixth round as my RB2 or three. Um, I'm feeling really, really strong if that's the situation I have heading into the season. So let's do some price checks on Le'Veon Bell. Would you have Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell? Uh, I'll take Todd Gurley. Let's bring up David Johnson. David Johnson, another guy who who I think we expect to be pretty inefficient as well, uh, yeah, but still get a easy. ton of volume. Who I, I think you're going to say Lev Bell here. Yeah, give me Lev Bell all day there. I think I would too. What about uh, Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell? Give me Le'Veon Bell. 
Wow, I think that's a pretty hot take. I like Gordon this year. We'll talk about him on another episode. Last one here. Take the upside in the rookie, Jonathan Taylor, as the uh, Colts oh, homer. don't do this to me. Are you still sticking with Left Bell? <laughs> I had to do it don't to Don't do it to me, man. I mean, Dynasty, it's obviously Jonathan Taylor. Gosh, and I had Taylor as a sleeper rookie of the year <laughs> pick. I want it to be Taylor. So badly I want it to be Taylor. But if they're both on the board, um. Uh, Unfortunately, I think I would take Le'Veon Bell. Unfortunately. Wow. Wow. See, I hate that, that. At, at that level where we're looking at, you know, around that like late RB2, I, I'd rather take a little bit more upside and efficiency, somebody who can score a little bit more. So give me, give me Melvin Gordon, give me Todd Gurley, give me Jonathan Taylor, give me Singletary over Lev Bell. It's not, maybe it's not so much an indictment on Le'Veon, but more just how, how bullish I am on some of these other names around this ADP. Uh, Last one here. I just saw him out of the corner of my eye. Mark Ingram or Lev Bell? Oh, you know I'm low on Mark Ingram this year. I love the guy, but I'm low on him for fantasy. Give me Le'Veon Bell. Wow. Yeah, I think this is interesting to me because I think we're on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to Lev Bell. I'm very down on him. I mean, his longest play of last year was was a 19-yard run. It's just like that efficiency That's what I'm saying, though. So his bad. longest play of last year was a 19-yard run, and he was a high-end RB, too. He's going to have a play bigger than 19 yards this year. I'll bet you on that. Maybe. Maybe. I, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's in that, you yeah, know, we'll base offense. It's just it's tough for me to see yeah. all that much improving. I like what you did say about the O-line, though. I think a lot of people are sleeping on their O-line. Uh, but just for me, I'm, I'm not there yet on Bell. We'll see as, as the season comes around. Fair. Maybe he is a value. You know, maybe he drops a little bit more into that, more like, you know, David Johnson, James Conner, Raheem Mostert, Mark Ingram type of category. I think he I would take him uh, over some of the names there. So uh, we'll see as the season goes on. But that's it, guys, for our bounce back players. Alex, anything to add here before we sign off? Yeah, one last piece of news. If, you know, you're listening near our, the release date of this pod, Dalvin Cook announced that he will be holding out until he gets a new deal. So uh, be sure to keep an eye on that situation. We saw Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott have holdouts last year. Obviously, Zeke's was resolved before week one. Melvin Gordon owners were, you know, put on hold there for a while. So keep an eye on that Dalvin Cook situation. It's going to be very, very interesting. And if you're in a dynasty league, you know, if Mike Boone is sitting out there on your waiver wire, the Dynasty League, Steph and I are in. Unfortunately, neither of us were able to grab him. The Cook owner was able to go in and get him. But if he's sitting out there, we don't really know if it's going to be Alexander Madison or Mike Boone or a split. Both guys um, have a lot of talent. But check your waiver wire. If, if Madison is there, obviously scoop him up. But I can't imagine he is. And if Mike Boone is there, take a flyer on him as well. For me, I... Alexander Madison keeps creeping up, but and I'm in these you know mock drafts. I don't even have Dalvin Cook, and I'm looking at Madison in like the ninth, tenth, eleventh round consistently. That's insane. And, and some I have taken him, man. I from what we know about if you take Dalvin, Cook's you got risk, to. Yeah, you have to. Oh, I I think you're going to be paying a premium on Alexander Madison if you take Dalvin Cook, which is another reason why I, I think I would take Alvin Kamara over Cook if I'm sitting there in a redraft draft today. But we'll see as the season Look. goes on. I don't know how much Look. leverage. Before, you know, I, yeah, again, you can talk about I don't know how much leverage Dalvin's going to have. But before we get off Madison, I just have to say, I, I feel like I have an obligation to be a huge Alexander Madison fan. For those of you that don't know, my full name is Alexander. My fiance's name is Madison. So, you know, that's the full couple name right there. So for me, it's like <laughs> I want to see this guy get some playing time. I want a reason to buy a jersey. So if Dalvin Cook wants to hold out, maybe get a trade to a new team, I'd love to, <laughs> to scoop up Alexander Madison and give it a run. 
Well, I heard Dalvin wants thirty or thirteen million a year um, on, on a new contract, which for me, like that, actually seems pretty reasonable. I'm not sure how much of that yeah. is guaranteed or how long that contract is, but I actually think that's that's a pretty decent value uh, for him. You know, he was just dominant last year, got a ton of receiving work as well. So we'll see if the Vikings pay up. Who knows? Maybe they pulled the trigger, and that's just a, an even better sign for us in terms of Dalvin Cook's health and future outlook. Uh, but guys, thank you all so much for listening and watching. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Greatly appreciate all the great reviews you all have left on Apple Music and Spotify. And we'll see you next time.